Welcome to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast, a peek into the minds and strategies of the world's greatest copywriters, marketers, and persuasion experts. And now, here's your host, Brian Cassangina. Hey guys, welcome back to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast. Uh, uh, it's my privilege to welcome today a very special guest, somebody who I've uh, followed online for a little while. Um, and uh, I finally got the chance to uh, get her on the show. So I really appreciate you coming on the call today, Sue Rice. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Not a problem. I'm really interested to hear about some of the stuff that, uh, that you've been working on. We were just discussing a few things uh, before we uh, uh, hit the record button, which uh, are pretty interesting. But uh, I just wanted to... Um, uh, uh, drop a few things here just for anyone who doesn't uh, uh, know uh, yet uh, exactly what uh, what your story is. So um, now you're referred to as the uh, the female David Ogilvy, which is uh, um, high praise uh, indeed. Um, uh, you know, you have a, you do email marketing, your copywriting agency, and you do all of that stuff. Uh, now it's interesting what. Uh, uh, you mentioned here is that you started uh, your career at uh, Ogilvy and Mather on Madison Avenue. So um, that's really interesting because that's a different, that's a very different kind of marketing than, than uh, you know, most people, listeners of this podcast will uh, be into. Most, uh, most experts who've been on it, uh, we really focus on the direct response world. So um, I'm interested to sort of hear your story, where you came from, how you got into uh, uh, this field and, and how you went from uh, Madison Avenue uh, ad agency, uh, you know, to being one of the preeminent uh, email copywriters in the market. Yeah, so um, hopefully I'll be able to do this in short in a short <laughs> version. <laughs> so I started out at Ogilvy, and you know they have a very, they have a very famous and very complete training program where I learned um, a lot of the direct response you know, that Ogilvy, techniques that Ogilvy is so famous for, mm. um, as well as sort of the, if you will, the brand advertising side. Um, and so that was sort of, you know, I think a lot of times where you start off is provides sort of the foundation. And I've yeah. kind of carried that through with me uh, all these years, and then sort of kind of tweaked it to for it to make sense with the online world and uh, with the world that we're living in um, that's beyond direct response as well, you know, that so that the direct response feel um, tact techniques that I use feel fresh. Yeah. Uh, and we can talk a little bit more about that a little bit later, maybe, but because um, one of my, I guess the best way to say it, levels of discomfort um, for a long time when it came to direct response copywriting was how it felt. It didn't, it didn't feel, it felt a little bit heavy handed to me. Um, mm -hmm. Even though I'm absolutely a big fan of what direct response can do for you. I sort of have spent like a long time trying to figure out how to take the power of direct response and make it feel um, just a little bit more contemporary. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how do you do that? So the, what I started out doing um, about, oh, I guess maybe six or seven years ago, I started sort of wrapping up my direct response messages in stories, right? So I started out talking about 
stories in the way that everyone talks about stories, which is it's about the story of the company or the story of the person who founded the company. Uh, but I found that that approach was limited at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You can't repeat the same story over yeah. and over again without boring people. So then I started experimenting with wrapping up messages in third-party stories. Uh, first, they were third-party stories that connected with the marketplace or connected with the person who was had created the product. Yeah. And then I realized that basically any story, even if it's completely disconnected, can make your message so much more interesting. And it's actually when your story is unconnected that by juxtaposing a, a completely unrelated story to what you're doing or the challenges that you meet for your prospects or the product that you've created, it's when people are like, wow, I never thought about it that way. That's really cool mm. because the by using this sort of... Um, what I call par the parallel vision, you end up um, kind of creating a vision, a visual in someone's mind and an aha moment like, oh yeah, that's what it, what the gen is all about. Oh, that's what you, you if, if that makes any sense. So yeah. it's, um, and so I've actually created, um, I have thousands of third party stories that illustrate some of the classic pain points, the classic challenges people have, the classic objections they have. And I also have a whole, I mean, like I've literally thousands. And I also have a lot of stories because one of the biggest challenges people have is between their two ears, right? It's like yeah. they, they worry that they can't, they can't do it or it's not for them mm -hmm. or, you know, the classic. Um, and so the, 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 the stories that I pick are strategic in the sense that they are making a point that's important for your business, but they are at the same time, um, I think one of the problems when you open up the inbox or really any, even social media platforms, it's like, oh my gosh, I've seen this message 4 million times before. So when you start adding in stories, breaking news stories, uh, timeless children's stories, whatever. When you start adding those in, you really grab people's attention because it's different. And it's, mm. um, it's, it's, it just feels much more fresh and like, oh. And even if people don't actually click and make an action or purchase right then, it's a way of building trust too. Cause it's yeah. not, you know, it's like, I always say to people, if you went to a dinner party, you're not going to spend the whole time talking about your product, right? You're going to talk about what you watched on Netflix, or you're going to talk mm -hmm. about uh, what happened in the news today or right. And yeah. that's, and you're going to join in on a collective dialogue. And that's what our copy should be doing too, right? Yeah. It shouldn't always be interrupting. It should be like joining in on the collective dialogue and yet still being strategic, if that makes sense. So that's the that's sort of the whole system that I've created. And it worked yeah. really well. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear an example of that because it's right what you say, you know. Um, first of all, uh, the worst marketing sin, as you know, would be to be boring. And if you're just telling the same stories over and over again, you know, it's, it's unavoidable. And that's one of the, the uh, um, first challenges that, uh, that uh, uh, any copywriter um, uh, has when they come on board with a new client. You know, they've got to extract all their stories out, out, of, out of them and uh, you, to, give, to give them ammo to, um, 
you know, uh, uh, put in the, in the sales copy and everything. But I'm really fascinated by your approach to it um, because you've got those thousands of, of templates with different pain points. So um, I'm really interested in hearing uh, um, a simple example of, of, uh, of one of those so we can see what it looks like. So this is, here's one of my favorite examples. There's a story about a guy um, who went to the, the Olympics, I'm sorry, not the Olympics, but the, like a um, marathon yeah. in Stockholm, Sweden in 19, I might be saying the wrong year, but it's somewhere around 1926. Um, and he uh, started the marathon and he didn't complete the marathon because he got really dizzy and he stopped and he had a drink with someone and he was so embarrassed he he's he's Japanese he was so embarrassed he just got on a plane and went back to Japan and mm. 50 years later the the people that were organizing the marathon just found out about this story and invited him back yeah. to um, complete the marathon and so it, and he so he completed the marathon in 56 years you know 22 hours and 30 yeah. seconds or something, right so yeah. it's a cute little story about how he came back and then so for example that you could use that story to talk about time right because one of the big pain points people have is time and you can say I promise you when you, if you come and you know the, the moral of the story is time is of the essence you know even if it takes yeah. a long time but when you work with us using our system I promise you it will not take 56 years to get mm. uh, for you to for you to cross the finish line I mean that's just I'm just saying that off the cuff but that you yeah, know that's yeah, the yeah, kind yeah. of thing um, that and I use what I'm doing more and more. You know, this is something that I'm evolving literally every day. What I use more and more is what's happening right now. You know, mm. the, the fires in Australia are a good. You know, you could use that as a as a story because, um, you know, at the end at the end of the day, if I've understood correctly, there is a natural process that's going on there where the brush needs to be burned away to make way for. Um, for new, new growth, yeah. For new yeah. growth. Yeah. Now that's that is a story. Everyone knows about it. Everyone's everyone's talking about it on social media. Everyone, it's everywhere. And you could say everyone needs to do that. We all need to do that with our marketing. We need to do that with you know whatever your market is. If you, your relation with your relationships, we need to. Sometimes we need to prune what isn't working for us in order to make room for new growth. And sometimes it's painful, really painful, yeah. just like the Australian fires are. Yeah. So that would be another example of how you could use, um, you know, stories that are, are completely unrelated to, you know, improving your relationship or improving your marketing program. But they, but what they're doing is they're, they're borrowing on a collective dialogue and making your message more pertinent and more powerful because you're, you're not interrupting people, what people are thinking about, you're, you're joining into that dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now so some things they, obviously, um, like yeah. if I, the Australian fire is a good example, I could use that for maybe a month, but I, you, there's some that aren't time, timeless, right? You would, it would you only be able, we could use it in, I can't remember where, I guess it was in December may, mainly, I think they're, I don't know if they're still going on, but you can't use that particular story forever, but yeah. you can use it in a timely fashion, which is also interesting because particularly when you look at emails, which are like little snackable bites of information, is that 
you know, you go into your inbox. I mean, seriously, it's like, I felt my eyes just glaze over. Every message looks just like the other one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but if you saw, if you, but if you saw an email talking about the Australian fires, you'd open it. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, particularly if you're Australian. <laughs> <laughs> is, yeah. Um, but uh, there's, there's such a, uh, um, a worldwide news story that everybody knows about it. Yeah. Because it's so bad, you know, uh, it's, it's received a lot of media coverage. Yeah. And you can push the buttons as far as you want. I personally don't like this whole, the whole Trump story. I personally wouldn't use that story. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of people who would be happy to, right? So it's also going to be depend on your, how controversial you want to be. Yeah. Um, I kind of steer clear of pretty much, you know, some pretty things like the really po um, polarizing political issues, but that doesn't mean other people might feel comfortable with that, right? Yeah, yeah, because I know people who, uh, um, uh, as well as their email, they're good at, uh, at posting polarizing stuff on social media, and the, and there's always uh, yeah, the two groups that emerge: people who love them and people who hate them for it. So, um, so it, w it works for them. I'm I'm more like you, where I don't want to sort of uh, uh, go that far and uh, and you know be that polarizing. Um, but uh, it, it works for a lot of people that, uh, that we, I think we both know on, on social media. Yeah, absolutely. On social media and through emails too. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that, that's sort of, if, you know, if you look at someone like Ben Suttle, that's his whole, he yeah. wants to be polarizing, which is totally fine. So, you know, if a client really wanted to do that, I'd be happy to do that for them. I just personally yeah. wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it comes down to like... Um, being true to uh, the way you want to run things, you know, like if Ben Settle was to sort of sit on the fence and uh, and not be polarizing, then that would uh, um, then that would be off the mark with his audience because they're not expecting that. Would you say that uh, would be? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I actually totally agree with him on that because you can't. It's not what I'm not suggesting here is that you just pick sort of vanilla stories. I think yeah. what I'm saying is that um, just the fact that you use unrelated stories to sort of that give a, uh, that a parallel vision to what you're doing, just doing that is going to make your message feel so much fresher, right? And mm. feel different and feel, because what, what's happened um, for better or for worse, there's a million templates out there and everyone's using the same ones. And <laughs> seriously, it's like, you know, you go, the inbox is a mess because it's just filled. I mean, yeah, it's filled and filled with stuff, but there's a reason um, open rates and click-through rates are, are going down steadily every year because there's just, it's too much of the same. So the, mm. the question, but the good, that's the bad news, right? But the good news is you can actually cut through that and you can cut through it also in social media because I think the other thing that I like to do is I feel like people silo copy. So we have our sales letter here and we have our emails here and we have our social media here, but really it all is just one big circle. Yeah. Right? That we should be communicating the same things yeah. um, and using the same techniques. And, um, um, and then it, then it all feels really cohesive. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, so that's really interesting. And it's how you bring out these stories in, in uh, everything you do. Um, how does a, a person uh, assemble like thousands of these different stories over the, over the years? <laughs> Just through um, hard work? Yeah, through a lot of hard work and through, um, yeah, through a lot of hard work, through working with, I mean, I have worked with probably now hundreds of clients in different mm. industry, like every industry you can imagine from weight loss to finance to, I mean, everything. And so, and initially I was always looking for stories that related directly to the marketplace. And then I realized that um, I had, I could, I could go much farther afield and, and still get the results that I, I get, which are like, you know, I work, I had a, I just did a product launch with a dentist in Australia, actually. And his open rates over like 30 emails were hovered between 45 to 50%, which is wow. crazy. Yeah, but it was because they were, because, because they were interesting and they, you know, it's, it's not just, you don't just put a story in though, right? So the story is just a way of setting up um, a piece of content, a strategic thought about, you know, beliefs people should have when it comes to your industry, about beliefs they should have about you, beliefs they should have about themselves. So it's not, it's not just a story for story's sake. There's a strategic purpose behind yeah. it. I think that's super, super important. Yeah, so like you go move on from the story, and I think um, as you uh, mentioned before, you tie that story into whatever the outcome of the of the email is. You know? Yeah, um, for like example, that little example I gave of the marathon, right? Yeah. So maybe the objection people have to your um, product is that it takes too much time. It's going to take yeah. me too much time to get results. So you, you, you need to start with what you're trying to communicate and then you wrap them around in what I call my little Tiffany box stories, right? Yeah. So that your story, you know, so, but, or, you know, so that you have a choice between doing that or you can say, oh, time is not an issue, right? Which is what everyone mm. else does. Yeah. You know, you could write an email saying, I promise you, you're, you know, you're going to do this really fast. Well, you <laughs> yeah. know, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah. Right? So that's why the stories kind of help. And it breaks down, I mean, there's a lot of studies about what stories do to your brain, but you know, it breaks down the, that resistance like, oh yeah, they're saying it doesn't take too long. Yeah, I've heard that one before, mm. right? Yeah. That, kind of, that kind of cynicism, it breaks that down because, oh yeah, that's weird that guy did that marathon in 56 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good point because uh, um, one that I've used for years is um, many years ago, I, I did a week of uh, uh, in-person copy mentoring with uh, uh, Trevor Tokracker Crook and, and he was in Vancouver at the time. So I flew over there from Australia, um, you know, it took all day to get over there and they picked me up from the airport and, and we went out to lunch and he, he was, uh, we went to this cafe and he was uh, trying to use uh, an American um, Amex, I think it was. Uh, to pay for it, and uh, this um, this uh, this cafe in in Vancouver, Canada, said that they only accepted uh, Canadian credit cards, and and which was ridiculous. Um, uh, it is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but to the point of, of the story, um, every time that I, I use it in coffee, I think 
Trevor uh, uh, used this uh, often as well, um, is that, uh, you know, are, are you uh, making it too hard for your customers to, to, uh, to do business with you, that, that kind of thing. So, yeah, um, no, it's per that's a perfect example. And by the way, I don't want to say, because I think personal stories, I mean, I, I live in France and I've lived here for years and I have a zillion stories about living here that people love to hear. So I'm not saying don't use your personal stories. You, absolutely, it's mm. great. But I'm saying that I feel like the way people talk about storytelling is a bit limited. And so, you know, I encourage people to think about stories in a much you know, a more expansive way um, yeah. because it makes it, um, it just makes it really, it, make, it makes your communications more exciting and it makes people really want to read your stuff. Yeah. You know, you want to yeah. be the Andrew chaperone where, you know, when Andrew sends out an email, you always open it, right? Yeah, yeah, I certainly do. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's sort of, I think, the goal. I mean, the other way of looking at it, because I'm assuming people listening to this know all of this sort of yeah. vocabulary, people like, when I look at what Todd Brown does and he talks about big ideas, see, mm. I see the wrapping of stories like little mini, mini big idea nuggets, right? Because yeah. it's a way of shedding, of looking it's at the, what you're doing in a, from a slightly different angle and a fresh one. And that's yeah. what his big ideas are all about, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a, and, it, and the thing that's interesting about it is at the beginning, it's like, it's like a muscle. Like when you exercise it, like at the beginning, like, how do you make those connections, right? People always ask me, how do you make the connections? Well, it becomes a habit. So now, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeless. Like I, anything I read, I start making connections about what that could, what that message could mean. Yeah, that brings me on to my next question. You know, I want to know, um, and for the, re the listeners as well, you know, uh, how do you go about compiling these things? I mean, uh, how do you um, keep your uh, radar open to, to pick up these stories? Um, uh, and how do you like, uh, uh, how do you record and organize them so that you've got this, uh, this vault of templates to look back on? So, if I could start with that last question first, yeah. I kind of want to circle back round to what I was saying earlier, which is that everything needs to be strategic. There are certain points you need to make about the pain points you hit, you help people solve, the challenges you help them solve, what they need to believe about you, what they need to believe about their marketplace, et cetera. You need to, though, that's sort of the starting point because otherwise you just have sort of aimless stories mm. coming from everywhere. So I have in my story library, everything is, is um, kind of organized by the type of pain points that people have. Now I have a bigger story library because I have a whole stable of clients that I'm helping, right? But like, yeah. imagine, so imagine that the, the problem people have is they don't have enough time or they don't have enough skills or they don't have enough support. Whatever, you have to figure out strategically what it is that people are missing that your product or service fulfills. And then you work from there and then you find stories that will make sense with, um, with those strategic points, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you have to start from the strategy first and then work back. 
And I'll tell you that this is, I will give credit where credit's due. This is something that Andre told me. Uh Um, And, but if you go, you know, in terms of sources, you just pick up your phone, right? And you Mm -hmm. get like, for example, I have a, um, um, I am, I've got a ton of different apps that, you know, are like sort of news. I don't know what you call them. They're not like, I mean, I do things like BBC, but also there's a like um, things like Flipboard. I don't know if yeah, you've yeah. that yeah, app, which that. has a million different stories on every topic possible. So aggregates. Yeah, they're aggregates. Thank you. And um, so, and you can you can you know talk. You can find out the things that you're interested in. But I wouldn't be too narrow. I would you know, I would go in there and read you know, take time every day to read, you know, flip through the stories and get, that's the way I get inspired through stories that are out there and there are millions of them. And also just following please Instagram, Facebook, that kind of thing as well. But there are a lot of aggregators that will give you a ton of inspiration uh, in Mm. terms of uh, stories. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, a great way to go about collecting these stories because you're, uh, it's it, it's kind of limiting if you are only talking about your personal stories, but but uh, um, what I loved is that you started off with that marathon story, which uh, um, you know w- would be something that you would read in a news article, and, and uh, that's um, something that that, uh, um, that a lot of uh, copywriters would miss out on. So, like you said before, uh, when we when we're looking for these stories, it can we can limit ourselves. Yeah, I mean, like, for example, I read, a, I saw a story today, and I don't know quite know yet how I'm going to connect it up, but it's a story about a blind elephant that likes to dance to this guy came out and with his piano and started playing music and the, the blind elephant started dancing to it. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's a connection in there somewhere, right? <laughs> so there's a, sometimes also you just see a story that interests you, you earmark it and then and, and let your sort of unconscious figure out what the connection yeah, yeah, is. It true. might not just be aut- automatic, if that makes mm. sense. And then there are like timeless stories. Like there's the famous story of Picasso who, where he was in a cafe in Paris and <laughs> a woman asked him to do a little drawing. He spent 20 seconds doing a little drawing for her. And she said, oh, well, how much will that be? And he said, it's going to be, I can't remember, you know, $20 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and, and she's like, oh, that's it took you 30 seconds. She said, yeah, 30 seconds plus 30 years, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's a story about, you know, your real worth, you know, you're not just worth an hourly rate, you're worth all the value that you bring, all the experience that you bring to your product. So, you know, there's, there's, so there's timeless stories, there's fables, um, but I really like the stuff that's happening right now because I feel like it makes, people are gonna pay attention to that more than anything. Yeah. Um, because they're already, you know, people are reading about what's going on in the in the news today uh yeah yeah definitely and uh, <clears throat> so like yeah i agree with that because you know that, that if they can connect what a story they've already heard but you now um join the dots from that to uh what you want to sell then then you know it saves you having to introduce the story because if i if i 
if like when I just described that story of uh, of going to that uh, cafe in uh, Vancouver with Trevor Crook, I had to like explain in a few lines, you know, the context of that story, and uh, and uh, that's uh, um, that's a uh, some some extra stuff that you can cut out if people if you're talking about the bushfires in Australia because uh, everybody knows what's going on there. Right. And I mean, the, I also, by the way, I'm not talking about people becoming novelists. Like we're mm. talking max 300 words, right? We're not talking, we're talking yeah, like yeah. a short and, um, you know, so I think it's, I mean, <clears throat> years and years ago, I went to a, um, I guess it was kind of a seminar workshop um, put on by Matt Fury, who mm -hmm. is a complete genius, by the way. Yeah. And, um, and basically what he taught, and he, this is basically what I still use, is you tell a story. It could be a one-line story. It could be a few-line story, but it's not going to be long. You t then you tell the lesson of the story or the moral of the story, and then you do mm -hmm. a click to action. That's what you do. Mm. It's real, real easy. It's a real easy three-step formula that will get people really interested in what you're saying. Uh, the mistake people make is they assume the story always have to be about them, which is fine. It can be about you. And I, I would encourage people to include stories about yourself. But what I would also say is that there's, it's much richer than that. Yeah. Uh, and like, I, I always come back to the dinner party thing. You don't go to the dinner party and talk about your product. Mm. You go to, or you, and you don't go to the dinner party necessary actually to talk about yourself either. You go to the dinner party to chat about, did you see that? Um, did you see that story about, mm. right? That's what we yeah, do. Yeah. We're uh, like- um, Yeah, well, MLM people might go to talk about their products, but most people don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, I read a, I don't know if this statistic is right, but something like 65 to 70% of all our conversation is basically sort of social gossip. Right. It's like, yeah. did you see that? Did you? So, yeah, well, yeah. But if that's what people like, we obviously all like to hear that stuff. So let's, let's, that's the way we should talk. Right. That's the way we should copyright. Yeah. And that, that's where we, I kind of come back to what I said at the beginning. That's what I do to use, to combine with the classic, we know it works direct response method. So I just wrap it up in that. And that isn't to say that direct response um, is because I think direct response techniques work really, really well, but it just makes the the meal go down easier. Yeah. I think. Yeah, definitely. So, um, uh, how do people uh, find out more about you? I know you've got uh, your website, which I want to mention the the uh, address of that. So, what's your um, uh, website where people can contact you from? Yeah, so it's it's real easy. It's uh, suerice.com. Yeah. yeah. And the, you can, there's a contact form in there if you want to, um, and I will, um, if, if you can, if you mentioned that you heard me on this podcast, just put it in the subject line and I, I'm happy to answer any questions you have personally. I also, if you're in the U.S., uh, I have a text number that you can text me at and I will yeah, yeah. answer personally, which is uh, 408 eight seven two nine four two two uh and i'd be happy to chat about anything um you know whether you know if you're struggling with your copy in general if you're struggling with your email um 
and I can answer any questions that you might have. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, uh, it's, it's great to have that personal touch where, where you get a reply from the expert rather than, uh, you know, uh, perhaps their, 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 their virtual assistant. But uh, I, think, I think that's really valuable. Anyone listening to this, yeah. this podcast you know, should definitely take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. I was listening to um, Tim Ferriss's podcast a couple of years ago. He interviewed, I know he's interviewed her several times. He interviewed Ariana Huffington. She like gave her like, I don't know, phone number or email. And like I was like thinking that's so cool. It's so cool, yeah. right? Because I mean, that, I think that's actually one thing that we all forget. We get so busy building our funnels that, you know, sometimes it's just good to just like, even if it's a 30 second text or sometimes it's just good just to chat like human beings <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to have you don't yeah you don't have to reach out and set up a giant sales strategy call you can just say you know hey i've got this problem you know, yeah thing. yeah that makes a lot of sense so um uh, suerice.com and if you uh, if you're listening on itunes and you really don't know how to spell uh, suerice.com i will chuck a link up on uh, geniusesofcopywriting.com on Sue's page there. So the link will be there. I'll also uh, put your um, uh, cell phone number for US listeners. So can you repeat that one last time before we go? Yeah. I don't know it by heart. Hang on one second. <laughs> no, sorry. It's 408-872-9422. And just, I'd love to hear from you. Just say, hey, and uh, we can talk. Yeah, yeah. So if you resonated with anything that we've talked about uh, uh, today, definitely get in touch with Sue. Um, uh, there's a reason why uh, we invite uh, only the best experts uh, on, on these calls is because uh, they've got plenty to offer. Um, Sue, you are a genius of copywriting. I thank you for your time today. And uh, I look forward to catching up uh, in the States or next time I'm in Paris. Yeah, next time in Paris, I'll... I'll treat you to lunch in the Beautiful. bistro. Um, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> All right. Okay. Talk to Thanks you later. Sure. Thanks, Have Brian. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Geniuses of Copywriting with Brian Casagina. To get the full transcript and all the resources mentioned on today's show, go to www.geniusesofcopywriting.com now.